We'll try to get through two, at least two of them tonight. All right, Daniel chapter number three. And for sake of time, we're just going to read verse number 30 again. Daniel chapter number three and verse number 30. If you're there, say amen. The Bible said, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And our thought tonight for, I think this will be the fifth time, is uh, simply out of verse number 30, and it's this thought, the price of promotion. The price of promotion. Would you please pray with me and pray for me tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together one more time with your people and your house. Uh, Lord, thank you for the good privilege that it is to uh, assemble, Lord, with the saints of God in these last days. I pray, dear Lord, tonight, God, that you'd help me, that you'd feel me, Lord, that you would use me, not for my glory or uh, not for somebody to go away saying what a good sermon, but Lord... Uh, we need you tonight. We need to see you, Lord, and we need to hear your voice. And I pray tonight, God, that you'll bless the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. And I pray, God, that you'll bring back to me, Lord, those things that you've shown to me, Lord, just today as I read and uh, prayed. Lord, I pray that you would please speak to your people. Uh, God, they came needing to hear a word from the Lord. So please, God, use us to that end and for what you do in this place. For these people at this appointed time, we'll surely thank you and praise you. Help us one more time to preach the Word of God in Jesus' name and for His sake. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. Again, we're here in the book of Daniel. And I want to say tonight, briefly, if I could, by way of introduction, it is right here where we once again find ourselves reading of the Three Hebrew boys, they were not willing to bow and they were not willing to bend and they would not break to the pressure of King Nebuchadnezzar. May I say this evening, we're living in a day and hour, I believe with all my heart, where people uh, have thrown in the towel, if you will. Uh, the fiery trials have got too hot. The pressure and the influence from the world uh, has got too much. And boy, we're living in them days. The Bible said that they would depart from us. The Bible said uh, in those latter days there'd be a whole slew of people uh, that would fall away. And the Bible said uh, uh, that they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us, but they went out from us. Listen to me, child of God. I want to be uh, uh, that Christian tonight that makes up my mind uh, no matter my circumstances and and no matter my situations and no matter if the sun shining or the storm is hovering uh, over my life, I want to be the one uh, that says, come what may, as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. May I say these three Hebrew boys uh, have demonstrated great, great faith, my friend. I'm afraid so many times we read over things uh, like this and we don't process what really took place. Can you imagine? Uh, here they are, the king. Uh, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, I mean the most powerful man on planet earth. Uh, and he gives them an option. You can either bow and worship my little G God uh, or you can die in a fiery furnace, be burned alive, suffer in torment, in anguish, in agony, uh, in the name of whatever else God you want. And so the Bible lets us know. We talked about it last Wednesday night that they begin to play the music. That's how the devil works. Uh, uh, he began to subdue the hearts of men uh, uh, with music to make them bow down and bow over and break their will to his will. And uh, the Bible said that there was some uh, uh, there was some folks in our passage, the Chaldeans. Uh, uh, the Bible said in verse number eight, I believe it is. Uh, uh, I believe somewhere in there that they were accusing the Jews and then the Bible said those same Chaldeans had made their way to King Nebuchadnezzar to title tale on Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego 
know. I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar could not believe it. Uh, he said, are you serious? Uh, is there really somebody so stupid uh, to say no to what I have made uh, uh, a decree of and no to my commands uh, in the name of some other God? Do you remember, uh, Brother Shelby, you all remember what he asked them uh, right before they went in the fire? And he said this, and I quote King Nebuchadnezzar, and who is that God that's able to save you? Hey, you better hear me tonight. Before them boys went in the fire, King Nebuchadnezzar was asking who he was. But my friend, once they were willing to pay the price, he was trying to find out who he was for himself. He wanted to know something about a God. My friend that would watch over and keep his hand on and walk in the fiery furnace with his own children. Somebody on a Wednesday night going to have to help me preach. I'm glad, thank God, he's interested in you and me. I'm glad no matter the trial, the fire, the storm, the situation, our God is able, hallelujah, to deliver us from the hand of whatever we're facing. Sometimes we got a big battle with the devil. He can help you with that. How I many y'all's got a battle with yourself? Yes. Let me tell you who your enemy is. It ain't your boss at work, and it ain't your mother-in-law, and it ain't the preacher. Come on, somebody. Listen, Brother Dax ain't been here for three services, and I can tell it ought not be that way. Hello? Yes. Boy, don't make me preach on scotch, and I'll do it too. Listen to me. If we really was to take our life and evaluate most of the issues that we have had to face, a good percentage of our storms have been self-inflicted. I didn't say all of them. But a good percentage of them are self-inflicted. Some of them are not. I began to think about that today in my office. I begin to think about men in the Bible. If God will let me get some of them, I won't name them. But I begin to think about this storm. The storm that Jonah was in. Y'all remember that, don't you? Self-inflicted. Had he listened to God, there'd have been no storm. If he'd have listened to God, he would have never been on a ship headed to Tarsus. By the way, the Bible said he went down to the ship and he went down to Tarsus. He went down, down. That's what you do when you disobey God. You go down. You're never going to get up or get ahead in life if you're disobedient to God and His Word. And so he goes down. The Bible said, next thing you know, up the sea's raging. It's about to throw them and everybody else off into that rage and see and they begin to cast lots and they knew said my God this is the judgment of God who's guilty who does what for a living and they got to Jonah and they said what is thine occupation well I'm a traveling evangelist what you got a meeting in Tarsus what are you doing no sir I'm supposed to be in Nineveh why ain't you in Nineveh I didn't want to go now listen to me this man did not like the people of Nineveh. Let me tell you how I know for sure. After he got thrown off the boat, beat by a well, vomited up on the beach, and then still, by the way, God will get what he wants to get out of you. He could have went without slime out of the whale's belly, but he had to go with the whale slime on him. Help me, somebody. I mean, listen, God will get out of you what he wants. If you're not careful, you'll do it the hard way. And so he goes down there, preaches, a bunch get saved, revival breaks out, and Jonah's still mad at them people. Y'all ever read your Bible? They all get saved. You think Jonah's signing Bibles and hugging and handshaking? He's saying, all right, Lord, now do something with it. Get rid of all these people. I hate these people. Self-inflicted storm. But then you got Paul. Paul is in prison. Most three quarters of his ministry he spent in a prison cell writing the Word of God. 
And so Paul is in prison and he's being shipped literally on a ship uh, to Rome to be judged and uh, to go before the judge. And uh, the Lord speaks to him and told him, said, you need to tell these men it's not a good time to sail. There's a great storm that's brewing. They need to keep her parked. Uh, they don't need to leave. Right now's not a time. And so Paul stood up and he said, hey, got a word from the Lord, fellas. He said, we don't need to leave. And they said, well, I'll tell you who we'll talk to. We're going to go to the master of the ship. Hey, that's what your Bible says. They went to the master of the ship. But you better hear me. Paul knew uh, a whole lot more than the master of the ship knew uh, because he knew the master of the sea. Amen. Uh, my friend, uh, and they listened to the master of the ship and sure enough, they hadn't hardly left port and Europadon hit wide open. You remember how they got to the seashore? on busted boards of the ship. <laughs> I began to think about the storms. Now this one right here is not self-inflicted. Some would say it was. The world would look at this story and they'd say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have got out of that. They self-inflicted themselves into that furnace. But if you're really who you say you are, is everybody in the building tonight? They didn't have a choice, and you know they didn't. We have a choice, but we really, we don't have a choice. If you're going to serve God like you say you're going to serve God, you're going to have to say, hey, I don't really want to go through the fire, but here I go. It's a price. But what comes after the price? Boy, it's just good. I, mean, I hope it's helping y'all like it's helped me. What comes after the price? A promotion. I mean, I can show you all throughout the Bible. I'm getting ahead of myself. But can I say number one tonight in this price of promotion, what price did Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego have to pay? I mean, it goes a hundred different ways, but a few of them tonight, if God will help me, what price did they pay in order to receive the promotion? In verse number 30 from King Nebuchadnezzar, number one, you say, oh, you finally get to your points. This ain't my original points. These are new points. These are points as of today points. So no, I'm not even close to them other six. Amen. Shout. Glory. Amen. Number one. A price promotion. I want to say they faced isolation. They faced isolation. Look in verse number seven. Daniel chapter number three and verse number seven. If you're there, say Amen. Therefore, at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Go back with me to the top of the verse. Therefore, at that time when who? I've got one of you that's got your Bible open. Therefore, at that time when... All the people. So is it safe to say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the minority? The Word of God just said all of them. Everybody who was there, the whole town, who all was there, everybody that heard the word, the decree, I mean all the people were there. But not only were all the people there, all the politicians were there. Look at verse number 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs. These are all plural. This ain't just a county-wide idol worshiping ceremony. Are you with me? The sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces, plural, to time to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together into the dedication uh, of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, 
To you it is commanded, O people, nations, plural, languages, plural. When you hear this music, you bow down. What our Bible just tell us? That all the people, when they heard the music, they bowed down. You better hear me tonight. You better know one of the prices as a child of God that we're going to have to face. And one of the prices we're going to have to pay is not fitting in to, to, to the majority. But my friend, it's being willing to be the minority. It's a, it's a price of isolation. My friend, can I say more times than not, one of the prices that we'll pay in order to be promoted by the king is isolation. Being all alone. See, it's in human nature. Ain't nobody likes that. You know the first thing a kid starts desiring when he gets to the age where he understands what's going on in life a little bit? First thing he wants is friends. Let me tell you how desperate most kids are for friends. They make them up. How many of your youngins got imaginary friends? That don't mean they're crazy. They want friendship. They don't have a brother, so they don't have 15 boyfriends. Now they say that that way. They're going to have 15 friends that are boys. I don't remember all this, but I had, I think, Annie and Ronnie and Lonnie and Connie and whoever else. I don't remember all the names, but Mom and Dad told me the story. When I was a kid, I'd talk to them just like I'm talking to you. And I'd have imaginary Friends. I catch Elijah all the time. Talking, playing, talking to himself. What's he doing? He's got, he's got an imagination. He desires friendship. You want to know why most people walk out the church doors? Because they reach a place. Now listen to me right here. We've got one another. But how many times have you walked in this building on Sunday? Or Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday, and you looked around, everybody was hugging, everybody was shaking your hand, everybody loved you, but you still felt all alone. Yes, you can be right in the middle of a church service surrounded by good, godly people and still feel alone. Now listen to me. The society that we're living in says uh, something's wrong. You must not have something right. I mean, if you're really living for God, I mean, you, you, you know the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and gentleness, and meekness, and goodness. And tell me, if you know uh, the things of God like you say you do, then you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. That's why they get 5,000 saved every month. Uh, that's why they're all the time uh, uh, making com people get confused. Uh, I'm here to tell you something, friend. Uh, there wasn't a lonelier human on the planet uh, than Jesus Christ. Uh, he came unto His own and His own received Him not. Uh, my friend, if you're really going to get a promotion from the King, you better hear me tonight. You're going to have to go through some fiery trials uh, when everybody else is doing what they want and you're all alone. Isolation. They're isolated. Can I say all throughout the Word of God, men found themselves isolated and alone before the king promoted them. You want some examples? Thought about Abraham and Isaac. Can you imagine? Well, he had two servants with him. He did on the three-day journey. But when they got to the foot of the hill, he left them. Well, he had his boy with him. Yeah, the very thing he was fixing to slay. My friend, God, listen to me now. God had to get him all alone. I begin to think about Noah. You say he had his family helping him. Oh, yeah. But for 120 years, Noah followed God and preached. 
but the rain's coming. I'm building a ship. Y'all better come on. God's going to destroy the earth by way of water. And they laughed at him and they mocked him. Let me tell you what Noah was. Are y'all hearing me tonight? But Noah was isolated. He was all alone. What nobody else preaching. What Noah was preaching. What nobody else believing God. Like Noah was believing God. Boy, you talking about a price to pay. But when the rains came down, glory, hallelujah, and the floods came up. Oh, 120 years had been paid for. And the promotion was not only life for Noah, but Noah and his family. I done made my mind up, Brother Caleb. You don't know why I'm going to finish right? Number one, to please the Lord. Secondly, for my family. I don't want y'all to do this, but there is a possibility that every single soul sitting here tonight could be somewhere out in the world by this time next year. There's a possibility every one of y'all could go stupid tonight. Get wallowed up up of your head in sin. Uh, you better hear me and I know it. Listen, I know it's a possibility. Sad thing is, uh, uh, you better listen to me tonight. Uh, there's probably somebody right now sitting here and you won't be here if you're not real careful. I done see some of y'all uh, walking out. Uh, oh my God. I can see you walking out. You don't even know it yet. But you're already on your way to the far country. And if you're not careful, you'll get out in that world and swallow it up whole by the day. But you know what I've got to determine? Even if I have to come in and I'm all alone. I get nervous preaching like this because God will make a man live what he preaches. But every one of you left. I hope, I hope I'll be able to walk in Sunday morning, look at my wife and kids and Jesus, and say, I'm doing this for you, and I'm doing this for them. Let me tell you, the promotion for Noah was out of this world. When he heard the scries of those, the, the screams and the cries of those men, women, boys, and girls who'd rejected the voice of God, they were beaten on the sides of that ship, and he heard it until they were all drowned, and he couldn't hear their screams and their agony and their torment anymore. But when he, hey, you better listen to me tonight. But when he looked over his shoulder, and his sons were there, and his sons' wives were there, and my friend, and he was there with his family. You better know he weeps some tears. Uh, some, uh, some tears of remorse and some tears of sorrow for those people that were on the outside. But thank God, uh, uh, it's going to break my heart one day at the great white throne to see people I preach to uh, tied up and bound and cast uh, into a lake of fire. I'll weep over them. But glory to God at the tears of joy when my wife crosses over and my babies cross over and my mom and daddy cross over and my sister crosses over I don't want the world to go to hell but if I can reach my family the promotion's worth it all let me tell you something about living this life it's a life of isolation I don't care where you go to work you're going to be in the minority I don't care if you go work at a church. 90% of churches anymore ain't churches know how. You're going to be in the minority. Noah was part of this isolation. What about Moses? Hey, Moses, I need you to go talk to Pharaoh. Lord that make it fun that's what the Bible said I, I can't, can't, can't talk very good Moses I need you to go talk to Pharaoh Lord 
I'm slow of speech. Don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to speak through you. Lord, y'all with me? What if he hadn't have done it? I'm preaching tonight. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but I really am, and I feel good. Some of y'all don't look like you feel good, but I feel good. I'm telling you, they so much, I'm so full. It's a sight. What God is speaking to me about this promotion. Moses, go. I'm going to use you to deliver those children of Israel out of their bondage to Egypt. You're going to lead them through the desert. Walk them through the wilderness to a land that I'll tell thee of. Hey, listen. This is what I'm doing tonight. I'm trying to lead us through this old dry wilderness because there's a land flowing full of milk and honey just on the other side. Amen. How many of y'all know instead of praising God and patting Moses on the back and giving him a raise and buying him a new donkey the whole time Moses is the one responsible God used him. By the way, it wasn't the power of Moses, it was the power of God. But God always uses a man to reach men. Amen. Always. Instead of loving the man of God and taking care of him and appreciating him and doing what he said to do and just following his order. I mean, after all, if it wasn't for Moses, they'd still been in bondage. But he gets along. And he goes up on the mountain to pray. What's the first thing the children of Israel start doing? Where's, where's Moses at? Hey, Aaron. Right here. Hey, I'm preaching. Went to his assistant. Knock, knock. Anybody home? Boy, I'm feeling good tonight. Why y'all go, Brother Dax? First thing he's doing is coming to me. He's done proved that. I just got something I need to talk about. Go to Brett. Why, why are you bothering him? Go to him. Come to me. If he's here, tell you the same thing. If he's here, he'd be crying right now. I love my preacher. Whoa. I love my preacher. Hallelujah. I love. That's what he'd be doing. Because he does. He's putting on a show. He really loves me. And so is Moses. And by the way, he's up on the mountain. He's not smoking cigars. Probably been all right to do considering the church he had. That's what I'd have been doing. I'd have had me a G. Loomis fishing rod or a Benelli shotgun with a whole wad of back of my jaw and a cigar smoking the mosquitoes away and told y'all to figure it out. That's what I'd have done.
break the gift that God had given him. Don't you do that. Now, did God restore it? You better know he did. Boy, ain't he good. Hey, he's good tonight. Moses walks up back on the mountain. He's done broke the tablets of stone. And he said, Lord, God said, don't say no more, Moses. I'm going to kill them all. He did. Read your Bible. And at first, Moses said, amen, sounds good. Just like I've done. God, I really wish you'd take Brother So-and-so this week and let the mailman run him over. Because I'm sick of heaven. And 15 minutes later, God, don't, don't you dare do that. I love him. God said, hey, he's naked, dry nature. I mean, what's what? God, don't you do that. You know what the Bible said God did? It says God ever repented? He sure did. Amen. The Bible said God repented himself. Yes. See, at first he told Moses, all right, here's what we'll do. I'm going to kill him. I'll send you an angel. You can leave, you can walk right on to the promised land with an angel. You know what Moses said? Ain't going to cut it. Preach a message on that too. Only God will do. He said, if you ain't going with me, I ain't going nowhere. Amen. What about an angel? Angel's not you. Amen. There's a lot of people that will settle for angel Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. We ought to be desiring God with Christianity. So he goes back up on that mountain. He's all alone. What did God do for him? He let him get those two tablets of stone, recarve them. Hey, listen to me. Some of y'all sitting in a big circle of broken pieces and some of those things that are most precious that God has ever done for you, you've let people and things in your life around you break the most precious thing about you. I'm here to tell you tonight, pick up the pieces. God has a promotion at the end of your prize. He's got a promotion. Begin to think about Elijah. You say, you supposed to say all this? Yes. You ain't really reading the text. I'm still preaching the text. The price of promotion. And I'm I'm letting you know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the only ones that were ever isolated. Elijah. My God. What a man of God. You know what the, the name Elijah means? The Lord named my son. I was sitting right there on one of those chairs. I come over here tonight. Or I come over here one night. Me and Andy couldn't decide on names, just like we couldn't miss them. I said, Lord, I need a name. No things you want. He spoke directly to me right then. Elijah. I looked up that name Elijah, and here's what it means. The Lord is my God. I thought, what a beautiful name. I want that his life, that I want him to live out the meaning of his name. The Lord is my God. And the Bible said Elijah, a great man of God, the Lord come to him and spoke to him and said, Hey Elijah, um, I need you to go to the king and tell him it's fixing to come a big drought and ain't going to rain. Okay, Lord. He told the king it ain't going to rain. That's what happened. And rain. God come back to him and said, It's going to rain. All right, I need you to go up and walk up there and look. And the Bible said he walked up on that mountain and looked seven times. Servant blow and hollered up there and asked him what he's seen. And on, on that seventh time, he said, There is nothing. And then he said, Hold up. Behold, I see a hand in the clouds. Looks like the hand of a man. Here come the rain. Shortly thereafter, uh, we find, uh, or actually before, we find that uh, bef- before the child ended, that he was into it with the uh, false prophets of Baal, 450 of them. Mm-hmm. 450 verses 1. Yeah. They were all saying, our God is real, and your God ain't. He said, here's what we do, boys. Let's build us an altar. Let's get us a cow put on that thing. 
seed. And he said, you pray and ask God to send fire down from wherever he's at and look at that sacrifice and then I'll do the same. They prayed all day to the point of drawing them nuts. They started cutting themselves. Losing their minds because they're God. And boy, Elijah was just a little bit of a smart aleck. He said, fellas, he could be busy. He could be taking a nap. Maybe he's just, you know, he's tired today. He said, all right, it's my turn. Not only did he pray fire down from heaven, but he said, okay, the most precious thing we got right now is water. We're in a drought. Go get me 12 barrels full. Let's soak not only the sacrifice, but let's put water all the way around this whole thing. And he prayed, what happened? The fire fell. But listen to me right here. But not just one chapter later, he's headed for the woods. He's buried under a juniper tree. And he's asking God to kill him. He's scared to death. He's just overcome 450 false prophets of Baal. He's seen God bring fire. He's seen God send a drought. He's seen God feed him with ravens. He's seen God fill the meal back up and fill the cruise of oil. And I mean, he's seen miracle after miracle. He's seen God raise up that little boy of a boy. I mean, he's seen God in the highest fashion. Yeah. But then a woman stands up. By the name of Jezebel. She said, You slew my prophets. I'm going to slay you. He stood toe to toe with 450 men and he ran like a schoolgirl when Jezebel stood from her throne. He was isolated. And he was all alone. Know what he said? Lord, I'm the only one. You know the story, Rose? I'm the only one. What did God tell him? Nope. There's 7,000. <laughs> I've just come to tell you, y'all act like Methodists tonight, but I've just come to tell you, even when you feel like you're a long neighbor, you might not see them, you might not know it, but God's always had a remnant. You're not alone. He's with you. And the people of God still here they want to be done being glory. My friend, just keep paying the price. The promotion's worth it. What about old Job? You want to talk about somebody in isolation? Job was isolated. Job lost it all. He lost his family, his friends, his fields, his fortune. He lost his flesh, covered in bulls. But I'm going to tell you something he didn't lose. And many would look at Job and disagree with me. But you better hear me. You want to know one thing he didn't lose? He did not lose the favor of God. But God allowed everything to be took from him. But it was not because he was mad at him. Y'all listening? It was not because he was upset or judging him. He was proving the devil wrong. Got to be real careful saying stuff like this. But wouldn't it be nice to be the type of Christian that God used to prove the devil wrong? Now you know what that comes with? A high price. Oh yes, that's me. Sound me up. All right. Y'all willing to cash in everything? What about your health? You willing to say, okay, Lord. Give me the worst disease on planet earth to prove the devil wrong. Isolated. But did the story end with Job sitting in the ashes having nothing? No, it ended with Job sitting in the ashes. By the way, that's the exact place that he was just at worshiping with the very family he had just lost. Hey, in other words, he didn't forsake his church. He didn't get mad at God and walk away from the things that God and the places that meant something between him and God. He went back and said, The Lord giveth and the 
Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of our good and sweet Lord. And the story goes on. Not only did God restore him and bless him again, but he did it ten times over what he originally had. I'm trying to tell you, when Job received the promotion, he could look back and the price was not as bad as it seemed. What about David? He, you know where you know, who who did he have with him when he fought that lion? Well, after the lion, it was a little easier task. A bear. Who did he have with him then? What about down there in the trenches? You better you better get this, folks. It's weird tonight I got real good living with me, but I feel like y'all don't. I don't know what's going on, but help me. Help me. Listen to me. This stuff will pull you through life. He looked around and on every side of him was a man with a sword. But nobody was willing to swing it. Everywhere he looked, but Jim was a man in armor. But nobody was willing to use it. And where he looked was a man with training. Nobody wanted to act upon what they had learned. He was in a war zone surrounded by warriors. But none of them wanted to fight. Y'all ever feel that way? I feel that way. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one on the battlefield. I know I'm not. But sometimes I come in here and I'm thinking, I'm not the only one with a sword. Hand of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. I'm not the only one, but I'm thinking, why ain't nobody else helping me fight? I'm all alone. And he was physically. It was just him and that two-tongued, ugly-looking Goliath. But hear me. God sent him down that brook you got five smooth stones. Five means two things in your Bible. Five is the number of grace, but it's also the number of death. Exactly. He got five smooth stones. He got his little sling shot out. And he said, fellas, and he called him, you ain't nothing but a little old ruddy cheese boy. You're a water boy. His brother even insulted his flock, the size of his church. He said, ain't you got but just a few little sheep to be tending to, brother? He said, as a matter of fact, I do. But whoever that right there is, I've had an arm of taking him because of my God. And he walked out on that battlefield. And all them warriors were signing the death certificate. But in his heart, he knew this thing was just about to get good. He wound that sling and he threw that stone Y'all don't think what you want. But when that stone hit Goliath, you know what the Bible said, how he fell? He fell forward. The law of physics say that is impossible. If I punch him in the head, or he gets hit in the head, and the force is going this way, he goes backwards. Here's what I think happens. Come here, David. You be good now, you're going to get a walk. Come here. Here's Goliath. He's ugly. He's perfect. <laughs> he's got four or five, six toes. I mean, he's a, it's an idea for Goliath. Now, you, ever, you get right here, and wherever I act, like you, you know what a slingshot is? You know the kind you whine like that? All right. I'm, can you perform? Are you an actor? <laughs> I picked the wrong fella. You're not an actor. You're going to be one tonight. Can you do that? You go, and then when you release it, you go, die, sucker. You do that? All right. Ready? One, two, three. Hey! And so when he swung out, here's what I think. Hey, hey, get up. Battle ain't over just because you got your moments. Get up, Goliath or David. Look here, here's what, what's all over you. Here's what I think happened. David slung that stone. And I think God said, Oh, it's 
Stone's going this way. Stone's going this way. There it is. Up, back a little bit, forward a little bit. Stone, stone. Way up! <laughs> Y'all didn't know Benny Hinn was in the building, did you? <laughs> know what I believe? I believe God. I don't necessarily think it was the force of that stone as much as it was the hand of God. That drove his head to the stone. That's why he went flat on his face. Y'all be seated. Then David took his sword. Listen, stay with me. Because I'm about to get wild right here just a second. The Bible said he took his sword. You took the sword of that ugly giant. It's got like six toes on one foot. The Bible said he cut his head off. Now listen, follow me. And he took that head. And the cries and the songs of the women began to say something like this. This is what the Bible said. Saul had slain his thousands. But David his ten thousands. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Now what do you reckon David did with that head? Well, read my Bible. And in four accounts of the Gospels, you only find the word Calvary once, but you find, find this term for where Christ died. Golgotha. Now, if you go back to 1 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 17, and read the story of David and Goliath, you know what the Bible says? His name was Goliath, but he was Goliath of Gath. Golgotha, or Gotha. Goliath, Golgotha, is an abbreviation of Goliath of Gath. And guess what? It's also called the place of the Y'all think you want. Here's what I thank God took his little shepherd boy. That was all alone. Isolated. Nobody else was there to help him. And he said, I got a special heal. Glory to God. I want you to bury that head on. So he walked him up Mount Calvary. And he dug a hole in the ground on Mount Calvary, God, God, in the place of the skull. I believe he sunk that head of that ugly Philistine giant down in the ground just for some years later. I believe the Lamb of God would come. And the Bible talked about he crushed the heel, would crush the serpent's skull, and hey, crush the skull of the enemy. And I believe with all my heart that when that cross went down in the ground uh, on, that, on that dreadful day, uh, uh, my friend, I believe it busted and cracked the skull of that giant just to prove uh, uh, that one day the king would come back and he would sit on the throne of David, none other than David. God used a little old shepherd boy that nobody else wanted to have nothing to do with. Uh, he was insignificant, disunqualified. Uh, he was isolated. But how many all can tell me and witness tonight when we're isolated, we're really not isolated because he's a friend. Uh, that never leaves us uh, and he never forsakes us uh, and he goes with us uh, all the way even until the end of the world. Uh, I'm telling you the press uh, is sometimes dreadful but the promotion so rewarding. Isolation. They were all alone but there was a fourth man in the fire. So I've said all that to get you here. Even when you're all alone, you're not all alone. I wish somebody had saved. Mm. Daniel in the lion's den. He was all alone. But somehow or another, when they come checked on him the next morning, he was sitting there eating breakfast with the lions. Singing uh, in the jungle. The mighty jungle, the lions sleep tonight. I bet he's flipping them off. I would have been. In the jungle, the mighty jungle. I'm a bad bastard. 
you're in this thing all by yourself because you're isolated but you better hear me that's part of the price of the king's promotion Paul in prison John on the Isle of Patmos the disciples in the storm Stephen at his stoning oh the list goes on and on can I tell you tonight sometimes God will isolate you hear this and I'm about done for one reason. Here's what I find in my Bible. Every time these men, and there's many more, every time they're isolated, God isolates them for one reason. He will isolate you to supplicate with you. Let me tell you something. It's hard to really know Him, get to know Him when everybody else is around. How many of y'all would disagree with me right here? You don't really get to know Him when you're shouting. You get to know Him when you're sorrowing. You don't really get to know Him when you're rejoicing. You really get to know Him when you're in ruin. You don't really find out who He is until you're at the bottom of the barrel. You go back the next morning to see if He's filled it again. I'm trying to tell you it is a price. But it's worth it. In the promotion. I'm going to say this and I, I'm going to be done. I got point one. I wanted two. I've got one. Count your blessings. The miracle always stems from the minority before it's seen by the majority. In verse 26 through verse 29 in our text, the majority see the miracle, but it didn't stem from the majority, it stemmed from the minority. You don't want to be one of the few? What did the Bible say about those two ways, brother Chuck? Bible said that broad is the way. There's a whole slew that you can find therein. But on that narrow way, and that straight way, the Bible said few will you find. I've done made my mind up, brother Shelby. I ain't going to do what he wants me to do, be what he wants me to be in the majority. And with the minority comes times of isolation. But hear me, church. Go home and eat you some ice cream, blow bubbles, and throw something at your kids. Because even when it feels like you're all alone and you've been isolated, it's probably the best time of your life to be supplicated. You can supplicate with Him when you're isolated by Him. These three Hebrew boys... Guarantee you, they had never seen God do for them what He just done. They'd seen God work. I ain't got time to get to it. We're going to look next week or the week after. Not only did they face isolation, they faced accusation. We're going to look at that, where that stemmed from. But you better hear me tonight. If you're not willing to pay that price and walk alone, you're going to miss out on the promotion. Every one of them guys and men in the Bible that I've mentioned, my God, the promotions were out of this world, but they had to be alone. Let's all stand. Father, we love you.